are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today is Wednesday, January 26th. 2022. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dan Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. It's always a fun time over there. So if you're interested, visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone for more information on that. And on today's episode of Locked On Mariners, we're continuing our weekly mailbag from Monday's episode, getting to all the questions we weren't able to then. Uh, we're going to be talking potential prospect swaps for the Mariners, what they could do in center field this offseason, and a whole lot more. So If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. We'd greatly appreciate it. So let's kick things off with Daisy and the Dingo, who we're going to see a few questions from on today's show. Starting with a question about Charlie Culberson, the former utility man of the Diamond or of the Dodgers, rather, and the Rangers. How much sense would a one year would a little one year bench slash platoon deal for Charlie Culberson make? The dude was 19th in the bigs last year with 152 WRC plus against lefties. If he sucks, you, you can just cut him and eat the around one million dollars it would probably cost to sign him, says Daisy and the Dingo. Colby, I know that you like Charlie Culberson a little bit, especially for what he can do against the lefties. Though the Mariners right now are probably more so in the market for a, for a left-handed bat, even though you know the the big fish that they're going after, Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, those guys are righties. Say Suzuki as well. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about adding Culberson to the mix when you already have you know Adam Frazier, Dylan Moore, and and Abraham Toro on the roster? Yeah, uh, for me, Culberson is a, a decent backup plan uh, if you want to like, like hypothetically you don't get story you don't get bryant there's really not much else on the market the asking price for matt chapman is absurd so if you want to platoon say toro and, and culberson at third base uh, like a pretty much a, a straight platoon that's fine um culberson actually is still pretty good defender uh at third base and second base can even go stand out at shortstop if you need him to but you know don't um uh, you know, he can even go stand in the outfield. Like the defensive versatility here is fine. Uh, he's actually yep. still a pretty good runner. He had a uh, 76 percentile in sprint speed uh, in 2021. He did steal seven bags. Um, but again, you're, you're getting him to be a, a lefty masher and Seattle has that Tom Murphy's a lefty masher. Uh, Luis Torrens is a lefty masher. Ty France is a lefty masher. Mitch Haniger. Um, you know, and if, if they add say hypothetically, say a Suzuki, he should be a pretty good hitter against lefties. So, um, yeah, you have to be careful because he was awful against righties and basically the same sample size. Uh, so you're really only using him against lefties, which means a straight platoon. So if you strike out on Story and Bryant and you can't get a deal done for Chapman or Donaldson or anybody like that, um, yeah, Culberson would make sense. Um, you, you'd probably rather have Dylan Moore. Um 
just because more is a little That's bit That's what more. I was going to ask you. Would, would you would you rather have more or or uh, Culverson? I don't know. I don't like being in a position where I have to pick Dylan Moore for anything. Um, <laughs> but Moore's probably got more upside. He's got more pop. He can actually play shortstop pretty well. He's a pretty good outfielder, too. Um, basically, you know, Moore is a more athletic uh, Charlie Culverson. Uh, but mm-hmm. Culberson can you feel better about Culberson hitting uh, than you do uh, Dylan Moore, um, at least against righties uh, so, or lefties. lefties. So yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where eh, they're they're pretty similar, and I just you know they're honestly not even that far off of age. I think uh, Culberson is three years older. Um, so yeah, it kind of comes. Do you want the upside on your twenty six man, or do you want the the safety of Culberson? Um, Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I think if they did it, uh, I'd be fine with it. Um, mm-hmm. but I also think that a pure lefty only lefty killer only type of player who can't play in the outfield at all is, is not ideal. Um, but it's a good fallback option. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not disinterested. I think he um, right. would be interesting to I add mean, towards the end of, of the off season, sure. you know, just as like an extra oh, piece. He's, he's a late February, early March. Yeah. Let, let him compete in spring training, you know, all that and, uh, and see where, you know, if, if he may fit, um, you know, if you sign him, it's not going to cost you really anything. It's going to cost you probably a million bucks. Like uh, Daisy said. So yeah, maybe, you know, I mean, nothing, it depends on, it also depends on how the market takes shape, sure. you know, in this like kind yeah, of non-zero fast acting right. type of thing that we're expecting. So, you know, guys like Charlie Culberson might get the short end of the stick here with, with how fast things are going. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, non-zero chance. He has to get a minor league deal. Um, Brock Holt, I think did that yeah. last year. Like there's a shot that that happens, but uh, yeah, again, mm-hmm. if you strike out on anybody to handle third base and you're kind of going into the year with Toro as the main guy, Having Culberson in your back pocket is is a very nice uh, luxury uh, to have. Would you rather have uh, Culberson at third base than uh, Dylan Moore? Every day or? No, 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 not every day, but just as your backup to Toro. I mean, that's pretty much asking me the same thing. Do I want Dylan Moore or, or Culberson? Um, sure, but I, I think that's kind of a more specific role, right? Like if you strike out on pretty much everyone that you're looking at right now and you're rolling with Toro into the season and Adam I'd Frazier is probably, your second baseman, I'd probably rather have, uh, I'd probably rather have Culberson mm-hmm. just cause I feel like I can bank on him hitting lefties pretty well. Dylan Moore. I can't bank on anything at the plate. And, and do you think that he's uh defensively like, I think he's potentially a little bit better. I think he's at least as good, if not a little bit better. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I just give me yeah. the guy I can bank on something at the plate. And right now, that's sure. Culberson, not more. I hear you. All right, let's move on to another question from Daisy. Um, what do you guys think Johan Ramirez's upside is? He was top 10 in relievers league wide by Stuff Plus, which slightly piqued my interest. Yeah, the, uh, the fastball slider combo was excellent for the most part when he came up. And um, the command was was a bit better. He he walked twelve guys, I believe, in twenty eight innings ish of uh, of work. That's workable for him, especially. Um, 
when he's on, I mean, the, the stuff is absolutely nasty. I mean, Colby, you're you're the Johan Ramirez stand, so I, I guess I should let you speak here on on Johan. Yeah, um, one of my bigger tweets back in the day was uh, uh, Johan Ramirez has better stuff than Edwin Diaz, and I stand by that, and I, I think I've been proven right actually um, on that end. And and yeah, you know, Ramirez this year massive improvements. Uh, particularly in the walk percentage in 2020, uh, he was up to a 21.3% base on ball percentage. So one out of every mm-hmm. five hitters he faced, he walked. Uh, this year, that was all the way down to 10.5. That's still high. Um, it's it's not it's not good. Um, it's above average, but it is certainly massive improvement. Um, and he did it without sacrificing any kind of quality of stuff. Uh, in fact, he struck out a higher percentage of batters this year than he did in 2020. Um, and that's well above league average. The stuff for Johan Ramirez is, is really, really good. Um, and we even saw yeah. him get a couple of big saves. Uh, I think both against yeah. Houston actually. Um, yep. and you know, 20, 35 strikeouts and in 28 innings of, uh, one zero eight. Yep. Uh, fastball is just explosive. The curveball, uh, just gnarly spin, uh, or the slider. It, it, it's, it's like really good. It's a really good one too mix and, and this is kind of the year you would expect him to break out so uh, yeah Johan's stuff is that of a high leverage reliever and a pretty good one it's going to come down to whether or not he can get the walks can he drop it down to 8% can he can he get really close to league average 8.4% can he do that if he can and he can stay healthy he's probably the best guy in your pen just in terms of raw stuff um, and he was pretty close, right? Like he was down to ten and a half, which is right, uh, which like is, I said, it you know it's that's not league average, but it's it's better for him, you know, from where he was. Something I mean, he can survive with because of the stuff he has. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like I, I said, it's it's workable. Yeah, his slider last year generated a fifty-two point two percent whiff rate. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> More than that's, half um, of the times the hitter swung at the slider. They missed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a dumb. And, and that's also at 199 attempts. Like that's not a, that's not a necessarily a small sample size. Like that's almost, you know, that's basically 200 sliders mm-hmm. and pr- right. roughly a hundred of those accounted so for if, whiffs. Like that's, right. that's incredible. If Johan Ramirez has 50 grade control, of his fastball, not even command, just control, uh, 55 control and 50 command of his fastball. He's mm-hmm. the best reliever in the Mariners bullpen. Unfortunately, what we've seen so far is, is closer to 45 control and 40 command of the fastball, yeah. but he's going to have a shot here to make some real noise. Uh, he's, he's better than, like I said, stuff wise, he's better than Giles. He's better than Munoz. Um, mm-hmm. but, Obviously, stuff only takes you so far. So, yeah, Johan Ramirez is definitely a guy we need to watch uh, this spring. Um, mm-hmm. And this is kind of the potential year for a, for a huge breakout for him. Yeah. Yeah, 2020, he was at 21.3% walk uh, walk rate. Yep. And then that, he he brought that down to 10.5%. Cut it that's, in half. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's nothing to scoff at here. Nope. So I'm very intrigued by Johan Ramirez heading into the season. I think with the stuff and now that you know he's finding the plate more consistently, mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting. Yep. I um 
yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Johan Ramirez this year. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's there's a lot of upside there, and and there's uh, some safety as well in case you know one of your uh, one of your bigger guys in your bullpen uh, starts to regress a little bit, which is is natural. That's that's kind of to be expected, but. This bullpen is really exciting. There's a lot of arms that, you know, obviously we're talking a lot about Giles. We're talking about Castillo. We're talking about Sadler. We're talking about second rider. But think about Andres Munoz. You think about Johan Johan Ramirez. Yeah, uh, Seawald, of course. You know, but yeah, Swanson's another guy that that started really coming on last year. (laughs) Hey, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that believe in Wyatt Mills. So, hey. Yeah, you never know. So we're going to be answering more questions in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Built Bars even contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Meanwhile, compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Now, here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. So, Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate your support. Let's answer Daniel's question here. We, we got more from Daisy and the Dingo, which we'll get to in a moment. We got some other ones from Aiden and Cody as well. But let's start here with Daniel, who asks, uh, according to Ryan Dibish, Jared Kelnick is the Mariners' starting center fielder. Bad for sure. He notes that Kelnick accounted for negative 16 runs <sighs> saved in 2021. But would Conforto be any better defensively, he asks. The M's are likely to play Kyle Lewis mostly at DH. Maybe we'll we'll see what happens with that. So even if you sign Conforto, you still have to play Kelnick. Who would you put in center instead? So this is, this is, well, yeah, that if he's healthy, but that's a big if. So outside of is that, it? though, we've talked about... I mean, not even his general manager is ready to commit to that, yeah, but we'll see. No. Kyle Lewis wins a gold glove in 2022, or Ty sells you his house. <laughs> um, wow. Wow. I mean, I don't have a house to sell, but well, you sure. Fine. sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Kelnick was not good out there at all. Um. It was bad. It was bad, and and we talked about like how it's the uh, it's the added muscle. It's he's not um, as fast as he was coming up. Yeah, he's bulked and up. So, and it's, it's cost him some range, and and he's not and he's not going. He's not good going backwards. Yeah, we saw that pretty good coming forward. That's based on my uh, my watching of of, of Kelnick highlights and whatnot. 
Um, he makes yeah. a lot of his good plays coming in towards the infield. It's when he has his yeah. back turned and he's running that he seems to. We saw it in Tampa. You know, that was kind of the big one. Arizona, big he had scene. one. Um, yeah, Arizona. Yeah. Cling off his glove. I think he had one against Boston, too. Um, maybe it's. It's it's possible that that problem is is mechanical. Uh, he's kind of running on his heels a little bit, um, uh-huh. and when you run on your heels and you're tracking a fly ball, the ball tends to bounce, and that makes it harder to track into your glove. Uh, so all the balls that you know bang off his glove, it's possible that he's running a little flat footed. Uh, so he needs to yeah. steady his head, run on his toes, and that way the ball will stay level. Um, it's possible that mm-hmm. that's all it is because he did get to some of those balls. He just didn't right. catch them, <laughs> which is a problem. Yeah. He- yeah. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of players on the Mariners not very good at catching in twenty. You remember Malik <laughs> Smith, by the way? Like, holy cow! Oh, Guy could get to oh, anything; yeah. he just wouldn't catch it. Um, by yeah. the for what it's Oof. what it's worth, uh, Statcast has Kelnick or had Kelnick at uh, negative one in outs above average. Um, mm-hmm. They he had a zero percent success rate added. Um, he was he was at his worst. Uh, moving towards first base. So in the right center field gap, um, yeah, the, he was actually pretty good coming in and he was average going towards left center field gap. So, uh, it, it's really mm-hmm. moving straight back and, and to, to right field. That, uh, was his issue. And again, defensive metrics, not, not perfect, not, you know, not as reliable as offensive yeah. metrics and things like that. So take all no. of that with, uh, with a grain of salt. <laughs> So the question though is, who would we play in center field outside of Kyle Lewis? Of course, Kyle Lewis. Would we be comfortable in Michael Conforto there? Would it be someone else? Would it be say a Suzuki who might be average out there? Yeah. So ideally, again, it's Kyle Lewis, but taking him off the board, um, you know, based on like the guys who are rumored to be or speculated to be of interest to Seattle. Uh, say a Suzuki would probably be the best one in center field. He's a above average to plus right fielder, but mm-hmm. eh, you're not, you're probably not going to have a, a plus defensive center fielder, at least not of the everyday variety. Um, this is kind of why going out and getting a, you know, we talked about this, I think off air a little bit, Billy Hamilton as the 26 guy mm-hmm. on your bench where it's like that. I mean, that's not ideal, but, you put him in center field after the eighth inning. Jake Marisnik might be a better Charlie Culberson than Charlie Culberson for you, right? Because he hits lefties well and he right. fills well, a position he did that, last you, year. that you need. Yeah, well, that's true. But, yeah. you know, he, he does that and he also fills a, a position of greater need. So, yeah, I, I might just, be something to think about. Yeah, I just I, I think based on like who's on the roster right now, Kelnick probably is the best solution mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's kind of part of the problem yeah now i i don't think that kelnick is that bad like i don't think that, i think i don't think he's best, i don't he think average. he's i don't think he's negative 16 defensive run save bad like i don't think that's going to be his career as a center fielder no i think he's average there at best for a couple of years mm-hmm. uh like I, I really hope Kelnick worked on flexibility this year and a little bit like he's working on, you know, agility a little bit instead of bulking up even more. Um, but yeah, Kelnick is just, he's a thick dude and he's not as explosive as he once was. So that's why he's 
you can't even consider him a center fielder anymore. Um, so yeah, ideally Kyle Lewis is healthy and he's ready to go because Kyle Lewis is at least average in center field. Um, and sometimes he's above average. Uh, so that'd be the ideal, but uh, excluding Lewis based on who's on the roster right now, Kelnick's probably your best option. And you'd probably rather have Kelnick in center field than Conforto. But I mm-hmm. don't think the defensive drop off between those two is, is in center field at least is, is honestly that big just to be perfectly honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of outfielders, Mike T wants to know if there's any chance the Dodgers are giving up on Cody Bellinger. If so, is taking on his $16 million salary too risky for a potentially huge reward? Uh, I don't think the Dodgers are, are going to give up on him. Uh, the upside there is just exponentially um, high and, and he's, uh, the the Dodgers are not you know scraping for money, so uh, I don't think that's uh, that's going to happen. Maybe in a year's time, if he struggles again, uh, and I'm talking about to the tune of, of what he did this past year, maybe they think about moving on then. But um, yeah, not not this year. Yeah, if he does what he did uh, last year, this year he's going to get non tendered because he's still going to be making twenty million dollars a year, and you're not paying twenty million dollars a year for. 2020 uh 2021 yeah, he had a 48 um, wrc plus last year yeah cody ballinger like he was horrific and that's a huge risk for seattle too so if you're the dodgers you know it's you're, you're not going to give ballinger away because like you said the upside is still there um and if you're the mariners aren't you really only interested in taking the risk on ballinger if you are basically getting him for free yeah because it's 16 million dollars that's that's a pretty big chunk mm-hmm. of of what we believe the Mariners have left. And so if Bellinger figures it out, great. You've hit a home run and you have him for two years. But if he's a disaster, you just flush $16 million and probably some pretty interesting prospects or maybe even a reliever that could help you this year. Like it's, it's a big risk to take um, for both sides. So I think what ultimately is going to happen here is the Dodgers are going to give Bellinger a, a, a good long run here at the beginning of the year. And, and, if he doesn't show improvements, then I think he might be a guy that they they move at the deadline because they're going to non-tender him after this year. So uh, it, it is two years of Bellinger, but it's it's only one year guaranteed because if he hits like he did last year, you're non-tendering him and you just gave up. I mean, even if it's somebody like Sam Carlson, you gave up Sam Carlson for a bad player who you had to pay $16 million to that. That's a pretty big risk if you're Seattle. So um, I just, I don't, I don't see Ballinger getting traded. I don't think it makes sense for the Dodgers to do that. Yeah. And I don't think it, uh, it would make sense for the Mariners to take that risk again, unless you can get them for Dias and Arias or somebody like that. Arias, you, you just, you know, yeah, I'd okay, probably pay a, a little that. something nicer than that for him because the upside, but um yeah, in the end, I I don't think the Dodgers are, are going to even entertain the idea of moving on from him this offseason. So, um, yeah, again, if if it's just an absolute disaster again, where he's you know slashing one sixty five, two forty, three oh two again, yeah, I mean the the Dodgers are not just going to give him twenty million dollars to do that. But um, I just I, I think right now they're they're gonna see or they're gonna they're gonna bet on. 2021 being an outlier because otherwise Cody Bellinger has been, he wasn't great in 2020. He was okay. 60 game stretch. Who cares? Like, I mean, when you stack it on top of a 110 game stretch, that was awful. It, it, you have to consider that a downward trend, but sure. 
we'll I mean, see. but I mean, he still slashed 239, 333, 455 with a 113 WRC plus that year. That's still a really good player. It's not mm. MVP caliber. That's still a really good player, though. Still no, an yeah, above it's, average it's, hitter with, with at least average defense. Like, that's. Is that worth $20 million? It's not worth $20 million, but. Okay, again, so there you go. So he has to be but better. There's also, than that. But there's also the MVP upside along with that as well. So. Is there? Potentially. You sure, yeah. you sure yeah. it's still there? Might be. You sure? Yeah. Because yeah. right now it looks like 2019 is the outlier. So what I'm saying is, is that that's the only year he has been MVP worthy. The other years before that, he was good, very good, everyday player, all star, sure. Yeah. But 2019 is the only year he was, you know, an elite player, and then in 2020 and 2021, he was meh, a little bit better than replacement level over roughly 100 and uh, looks like 161 games, almost an entire full season. So, yeah, a replacement level player for 16 million dollars in a prospect. Eh, I'm good. Yeah, I don't know about that, but all right. So uh, we got, what is it, four more questions? I think it's four more questions to answer. We're going to be getting to those in uh, just a moment. Real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, four questions to go here to wrap up our weekly mailbag. Let's go back to Daisy and the Dingo who ask if the Mariners were to engage in a prospect swap, which positions would you expect them to look for in return? Then Name a few prospects who might fit the bill. So, Colby, I know you got a, a few ideas on that front. Get to you in a second here, but as far as pros or as far as positions go that they might target for prospects, I think yeah, you're always looking at arms, potential arms, maybe a reliever, maybe uh, maybe even a starter that could help you. Um, we're looking at third base potentially as a fallback plan to to everything else that you got going on outfield potentially we've talked about some young outfielders some some uh potential prospect swap candidates in that area on fan fiction friday where are you looking at for a potential prospect swap positionally and then uh, what are some of the ideas that you have with actual names uh yeah first first up i mean it's center field um mm-hmm. if you can find a guy who can play center field every day that's huge and, and bonus points if you can hit lefty, but it's it's not required. It certainly doesn't seem like the Mariners care that much um, based on, you know, some kind of substantiated evidence that they're really interested in Seiya Suzuki and no evidence whatsoever that they're interested in Michael Conforto. But that's a different discussion. So, yeah, center field you're looking for and you're, you're always looking for arms. Um, arms that could be re- in relief, arms that could start, uh, like, just in general. You're always looking for pitching. Um, 
third base could be a possibility, but there's not a lot of those top third base guys out there that aren't going to be right. Daisy, I mean, you you know you you've on. you've recommended Mark Vientos a couple times on Fan Fiction Friday, so like maybe that, yeah. but really, I mean, like Mark Vientos is one of the better third base prospects in the game. I don't even think he's considered mm-hmm. a top 100 prospect right now. You know, obviously there's like the big names like Josh Young, of course, but uh, that's kind of a light position right now. Yeah, the other one would be catcher, but again, it's if you if a team has a young catcher that's pretty close to the big leagues, mm-hmm. they're not giving that guy yeah. up. Well, and that's another uh, thing that, that we should say here too, right? Like if you're you're making a prospect swap, you want someone that's going to be coming up at the major league level this year. Like maybe even someone that made their debut yeah. last year, had a cup of yeah. coffee, etc. Um, you want someone that's ready, like either right now or going to be ready by May or June. Mm-hmm. you know so um yeah. that's something that you also have to keep in mind so that's what you know that's what really condenses the possibilities here um and so th- you know that's why you got to look at guys like vientos and, and, and whatnot and then yeah the catching position i mean you said it right there right like if a team's got a young catcher that's like knocking on the door they're not dealing them that's just not going to happen they're going to see prospects. what they have first right well especially not for prospects like yeah. they're not you're you're not getting you know whoever the the top catcher is um Adley Rutschman I mean that's a bad example but you you yeah. get the point you're not getting Adley Rutschman for you know Julio Noel V Marte yeah right I mean that's you're just you're not doing that so yeah um anyway so in terms of specifics um I got a couple here from Arizona uh okay. which I think makes some sense uh Alec Thomas who you know I like um alec that's thomas for like, that's going to be expensive right, right. no lv Marte is, is my yeah um, thomas is is big league ready he's ready for that challenge seems like he's going to hit he's a good runner he's a plus defender in center field he's got some pretty good power too uh some emerging power 511 175 so uh yeah it's 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 bat speed power it's not you know muscle joey gallo power um he has performed everywhere along the way and he's ready to go um, you have to give up Noelvi because you need upside to pry away a, a young player from Arizona who should be doing everything it can to you know clear the lines for their really good farm system. Um, so are they willing to do that? I don't know, but I, I would I would do Noelvi Marte for Alec Thomas. Um, in a perfect world, you could get Thomas for like Emerson Hancock, but that's just it's it's not going to happen. Um, another another possibility here uh, on a, kind of a smaller term thing. Um, maybe somebody like Zach Deloach for uh, an arm like Levi Kelly or Dre Jameson, maybe Corbin, uh, Corbin Martin. Um, Martin has some major league season at 10, 10 games in his career. They have not gone well, mm. but he's still got pretty good stuff. Uh, Jameson, you know, really good stuff. Small frame. He looks, he makes Matt Brash look big. Um, but yeah, pretty good stuff. Doesn't throw a ton of strikes. Probably a reliever, but that's a guy um, who could help you in uh, in twenty twenty two. So uh, there's a couple. Um, you know, if, if you want somebody like, say, Nolan Jones, I they're probably going to ask for somebody like George Kirby. Maybe you can do Hancock and something for Nolan Jones, but that probably not going to be the case. Um, Brennan Davis is, is a guy that maybe you trade. Um, I mean, it's probably 
George Kirby again, maybe Noel V. Marte though. Mm. Uh, that's, that's a guy to go after. Uh, Vidal Brujan, Brujan. We've talked about him a little bit. Taylor Walls. And maybe, yes, Taylor Walls is, is, although Walls isn't technically a prospect anymore, but that's yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the other one I, I can think of is, is maybe Christian Pache for somebody like Emerson Hancock. Maybe mm. that's something you can do. Uh, Pache, a plus defender, plus arm, plus runner, hasn't hit in 67 big league at bats, and, and there are concerns about his ability to do so. Um, but I, I think that's why you can get him for Emerson Hancock. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mostly center fielders is what I came up with. But uh, yeah, there, there's a few other smaller things where you can swap, you know, Deloach for a reliever or something like that. So, mm. um, but yeah, Dre Jamison. Uh, for a Deloach and Alec Thomas for Noel V. Marte are, are probably the two favorite I had uh, I'd come up with. All right, so let's uh, let's keep it moving here and answer Daisy's last question. How many times have each of you watched Sweet 16 and My Oh My? I still have the VCRs that my dad gave to me and probably watched them each over 10 to 15 times a piece as a kid. Uh, I don't believe I've actually had those or seen those. Colby, did you have them? Yep, I've I've had them. I've seen them. Um, I don't have them anymore. I do have the uh, 1995 team video and the 1996 team video. I found those at a uh, uh, at a Goodwill, and they're in my Mariners collection. Uh, so yeah, I, I do have a couple of those. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I haven't seen those in a while. Um, you know, I just pretty much YouTube is, is you're going to get better. Uh, my, oh my is the 95 one, by the way, in case you're wondering, mm-hmm. um, I also have the 1996 one. I probably seen the 96 one more than I have the 95 one. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I don't know, probably two or three times each. Um, by the way, both of those, if you want to watch those are available on YouTube. Mm. I wonder what sweet one sixteen is about. I don't know. Tough to say. Mm. Um, is that a reference to something? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Aiden um, <laughs> at SFNE58 wants to know uh, what is your favorite roller coaster you have ridden? Do you like roller coasters, Colby? Because uh, I've been on a no. on a couple, but um, my problem with any fair rides, and I've only been to Disneyland, like I I went for like five days, but I've only been there once, and I I didn't like roller coasters then. So I'd probably be a little bit more open to them now, but my thing with whole with like any kind of fair rides or anything like that is I saw them set up the ring of fire in five minutes and that has prevented me from going on any ride at a, at a fair or Mm -hmm. like any kind of like ever. Like I am not, let's just say this. It didn't look like they were mechanical engineers. (laughs) So yeah, I don't, I don't do rides uh, that go, you know, more than five feet off the ground, six feet off the ground uh, at fairs. And I've only been to one theme park and it was when I was 10. So uh, no, I I don't like roller coasters. Um, I'm not opposed to them. Um, I, I like some, Uh, I just haven't been on many. Like I've been on the one at the, I guess if you want to consider it a roller coaster, it was kind of small ish um, at the Harry Potter world. It's like a, like the Buckbeak one. Um, that was okay. Uh, I've been on the California Adventure one at at Disneyland. Um, just haven't written, just haven't gone on many. Um, but 
uh, the times I have, cool. Thumbs up. Um, so to answer your question as in terms of my favorite, I don't really have one because I don't really have many to pick from. I guess the California Adventure one, but that was 16 years ago. So eh. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Uh, all right, Cody Anderson. This is our last question. Code underscore mode 15. Do you have any Super Bowl picks? For me, it's Bengals versus Rams. So who are we feeling for conference uh, championship week this weekend? I'm, I'm going to go 49ers and Chiefs. Uh, yeah, the same. Yeah. Uh, rematch of the Super Bowl, what, two years ago? Yeah. And once again, Jimmy Graham will, or Jimmy Graham, same guy, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo will miss a wide open, easy touchdown for the win. Uh, bam. Uh, I don't think Garoppolo will even have the chance to do that because Patrick Mahomes is playing out of his Just, mind right now. So, yeah. I think they get to the Super yeah. Bowl. I think Kansas City waxes them pretty pretty considerably so yeah i can tell you i'm rooting for Bengals 49ers but i i have to pick the chiefs yeah no like, i'm rooting for the Bengals to too because like i would like some yeah. parody you know <laughs> i would like uh, i would like to see someone new um i wouldn't you know i'm not really into the idea of of having a rematch of the super bowl two years ago plus that super bowl was like eh, it's okay um but yeah, I'm, it wasn't very good until the end. Yeah, yeah, and uh, in the end, uh, you know the the NFC Championship. Uh, not really rooting for any either team, you know. Uh, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I, I think though the 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 49ers are hot right now. Uh, yeah. They're they kind of feel like one of those wild card teams that go on a run, like uh, like 2012 Ravens, um, you know, like the like the Giants teams, all that. So. They they kind of feel like they're they're playing with uh with that kind of fire, but um we'll see. Should be fun. Uh, this has been a fun playoff. This is probably the first time in a while I've actually watched pretty much every minute of every playoff game for the most part. Like aside from like the Steelers Chiefs game, that that game was bad for obvious reasons. But yeah, it's uh it's been fun. So looking forward to the weekend, and uh, that's gonna do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners for Colby Patnode. I'm Ty Dan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dan Gonzalez is Z-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And uh, thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate the support. Now, make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And just like us, their show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you on Friday. Peace.